This is Infants on Thrones. Listener Action. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is our November 2018 Listener Essay Contest, where you, the listeners, get to say what you want to say, how you want to say it, where you want to say it, and it is more than a privilege that that where gets to be here, that we get to host these on Infants on Thrones, where so many of us are all infants sitting on different kinds of thrones, right? Today's essay comes from Fred Rogers, what? And is titled... Eve's Endowment. And after you listen, please go to our website and vote for it and provide the author some personal feedback. Winners will be announced in early December. First place gets $200, second place $100, and third place $50. All right, ready, set. All right, go ahead. A long time ago, I served a mission for the church far from home. At some point, I wore out the shoes I was wearing and needed a new pair. I was poor, but fortunately someone sent me some money and I was able to find some nice shoes. They were leather, and I'd never worn leather before. They were a little snug, but I liked them. I believe they felt the way they did, because I was told you had to break them in. Days passed and things got worse. The shoes really were just a little too narrow. Pain developed in my right foot, and I began to limp. The shoes were not breaking in, instead my foot was breaking. Unfortunately, because my resources were limited, I felt invested in them. I had no money to replace them, and I continued to wear them, hoping the predicted loosening would occur, but it never did. Instead, I injured my foot. For many years afterward, if I put on another tight shoe, I would quickly feel the pain of the old injury. Growing up in the church as a faithful male, there were not many things about it that bothered me. There were some odd things, like polygamy and the priesthood ban, but I didn't really think much about them. It wasn't until I was a middle-aged adult dating a faithful woman that I learned about polygamy from a female perspective. She was the first person I'd ever talked to about polygamy, and I began to realize how its negative impacts were felt by her my perspective started to change. It has taken me many years to come to my current understanding, but as a father trying to raise multiple daughters who participate in the faith, I am now very alarmed. The current LDS practice of heavenly polygamy requires a woman to accept that, should she die first, her marital circumstances after this life is partially and significantly determined by her husband's actions. She must accept that he may choose to remarry and be sealed in the temple to a second, third, or more wives. When Damsel White married Russell Nelson in 1926 in the Salt Lake Temple, did she anticipate that when she meets him in heaven, she will be sharing her spouse with Wendy Watson? June Dixon married Dallin Oaks in 1952. Was she anticipating sharing her spouse in heaven? Someday she and Kristen McCain will be sister wives. LDS women realized that this could happen to them. For many, it has been a heartbreaking experience. Some have tried to ignore this possibility by pushing it to the back of their minds. But the doctrine never goes away. The examples are ever-present throughout the church, and at some point they have to make peace with the idea and forgo a guarantee of eternal monogamy. Alongside that soul-crushing challenge, 
LDS girls are brought up in primary to understand the preeminent goal of entering the temple. Temple memes abound like, if this isn't your castle, then you're not my prince. But there is no lesson in primary, young women's, relief society, or even the temple prep classes in which they explain to them the subjugation they'll be commanded to accept from their prince. Not that he will intend it, it's just baked into Eve's endowment. It won't be until they are sitting in the endowment room, surrounded by many older friends, teachers, and family members, and possibly their fiancé, that they will hear Eve's endowment for the first time. After two decades of encouragement through church talks, posters, special events, admonitions, personal attention, and sacrifice, will she be seated there in a white dress. Then she will be shown how her mother Eve disobeyed father, as anticipated by his plan, and as a result of that, Eve and she will be eternally relegated to being a second-class child of God. She will be told how Adam and her husband will rule and reign in the eternities, but she will not. Adam, her husband, will become a king and a priest unto the Most High God, but she will not. She will be a queen and a priestess to her husband. Adam and her husband promise to communicate with Heavenly Father, but she will not. She will vow to hearken to her husband. This is Eve's endowment. She will not have a direct relationship with her Heavenly Father. Her husband will rule, and she will hearken. Though we teach our primary children to memorize, we believe that men will be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression. It is equally true to teach we believe that women will be punished for Eve's. In the temple, as soon as all these things are stated to a woman for the first time, she is immediately told to raise her arm to the square and solemnly covenant before God to keep these things and commanded to bow her head and say yes. Is there one in a thousand people under those circumstances who would have the ability to process what they are being told, come to a reasonable conclusion and possibly decide it's too much to ask? The entire social structure is stacked against that kind of decision. The immense pressure pushes almost every woman to agree, so they subjugate themselves. And then, over time, they may internalize what they have been coerced to do. Here is how one sister, Carolyn Klein, experienced the temple. I wanted to like the temple. My meltdown there didn't occur until the third time I did an endowment session. When I saw Eve forced to make the obedience covenant, when I saw all the women in the room promise to hearken unto their husbands, when I saw Eve silenced and pushed aside, I pondered the implications of this, and I lost it. I started sobbing my heart out and continued to sob the rest of the session. For me, for Eve, for all the women who had made this promise and wondered if they were somehow inferior to men, I could barely breathe. A final temple symbol to consider is when Adam and her husband pray to God. There is no barrier between them. When she does, she is told to veil her face. A veil is inserted between her and God before she can pray. A barrier. When I brought this up to Mike Stake President, he suggested that maybe the veil, instead of creating distance, was a protection, to which I asked, From God? I am a man, and so I've never experienced these things personally. 
but it is my perception that the temple experience and the practice of heavenly polygamy mutilate the female sense of spiritual worth. These and other practices of the faith are as destructive as other misogynistic practices of the world, such as female genital mutilation and foot binding. How can men and women tolerate any practice that cuts into or deform a woman's body, spirit, or self-image? Are we practicing female spiritual mutilation? I have a friend, one of the best men I've known, a bishopric member who is well-read and very compassionate, he told me how he realizes the liturgy of the temple is misogynistic. His response is that he believes in a loving God who would not mean for these things to exist. He applies a cloak of vague symbolism to the temple, as if it would erase the meaning of its words. But that is an act that can only apply to his thinking. The words remain. They cut the heart that contemplates them. Our beliefs and behaviors bind and constrict the female soul like a shoe that is too tight. They crush inward. I am left to ask, why would a loving father promise something wonderful to his sons, and for Adam, and then for his daughters, and my daughters, something so much smaller, the endowment of Eve? Hey, that was great. All right, listeners, don't forget to go to our website and vote for this essay. Provide some feedback. And if you've got something you want to say and you can squeeze it in before the end of November, record your own listener essay. Send it to us. We'll post it. Come support us on Patreon. And as always, thanks for listening to Infants on Thrones. Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew Ryan. Carol Dutchley. And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. If you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones. Oh, yeah. And one final thing. Uh, just because I've been getting more of these essays than I planned on, it's going to stretch into early December. Uh, so maybe December 1st, December 2nd will be our last listener essay. You can vote for any or all of these. So I, I don't want anybody to I don't want anybody to be confused and think that you only have to vote for your favorite one. Now, when you go and vote, you can vote, you can rank it as anywhere from one to five, how much you like it, and vote for as many of these as you want to. It's the quantity of people that vote and the scores that they give that are going to determine the final winner. So don't feel like you have only one vote to say you can vote for every single one of these essays and provide feedback to the authors for every single one of these essays. I know they would love to hear what you think because they did this to share it with you. So please go to the websites for the essays that you like and that you want to vote for and do that. And we're going to be doing this <laughs> for the next little while because uh, I'm still getting essays coming in. But I'll stop it. I, we won't go further than the first week of December. And this, like everything else, is a canned message. So if you've heard this before and you don't want to hear it again, maybe I should have told that before. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for... Blah.